All right, I'm with Wayne. Wayne, how are you doing? It's been a while. It's been a summer. I think the last time we talked, the FA Cup was almost out of my brain and you brought it back in and spent a summer almost successfully forgetting it until this point. So, yeah, it's That's been pretty good. How's yours been? Well, I'm glad I can be the trigger for horrific memories for you. <laughs> yeah, lovely days. <laughs> Not childhood trauma, it's Ed reminding you of the FA Cup fun. I've yeah. been all right, actually. Actually, since we last spoke, I was in the UK for three weeks, which was nice to be back home in Blighty. Yeah, it's much better, isn't it? It's just much better. It's, yeah, the home of football and cricket and civilization. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you did you manage to get the good weather? Because we've had bad weather for a bit. But we did it, was have a, like... it was a mixed bag. A mixed bag, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, it was fine. It was, it was fine. Friends and family, I wasn't really there for the weather. Uh, or, or the football, even though you've called it the home of football because there was no football on. There's no football um, on. Actually, I think just as I was leaving, the day before I left, and maybe United had the game against Lyon or in okay. Edinburgh, which I had yeah. considered going to and then didn't bother. Yeah, because I was like, can I really take two days out of a family trip to go see a friendly with them? Um, yeah kind of thing i did when i was younger and it was never popular so. do, do you regret it now though no you did of course regret. i regret every game i haven't been to like <laughs> somehow i if, if a secret billionaire benefactor wants to give me some fuck you money or i win the lottery or somehow come up with that next great tech idea which i've never managed to do in my 47 years on this planet then i will i will spend a year going to every single game everywhere uh, of every kind of sport i can think of but until that happens, sadly, I will probably end up missing quite a lot of stuff. There you go. I, I've life. got this. This podcast doesn't get recorded, does it? It's just for me and you. So I've got yeah, a great that's right. Idea yeah. To give yeah, no one's going to listen to it. Yeah, right. So there, there's a new website called X, right, and it does like reposts and things like that. Reexes. Yeah. What if you make a, a website called just hear me out called Twitter? Right, and the logo is a bird, and it's basically no, like that's ridiculous. That's never gonna work. Like, sounds it, listen, and then the bird tweets, but it's kind of like that's like a symbol for the people who will register for the platform when you post something, and it's called a tweet. I, I don't know, it's, it's probably won't catch on. I can't see why it would be popular, and if it ever did get popular, you just want to rebrand it quickly anyway just a thought if you do want that next big tech idea it's just something to to think about it's it's a good it's a good thought yeah you know twitter when it was first founded was a music discovery service and they kind of found that the messaging part worked better like this the world of tech you never know when something might work or not or some random billionaire comes along and destroys 15 years of brand value but what would i know about that so (laughs) When, funny thing is, when, I, when we rebranded from Rankcast to No Question About That, I realized I really should have trailed that it was going to happen. Because after I did that... Yeah, you didn't do that. that I didn't do yeah, that. I, I just, just chucked it out there. Because we'd talked about it, me, Paul, and Tom. And I think mentally I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like it's obvious that we're going to do this. <laughs> because I checked it out there, and then the number of people who listened halved overnight. Because probably they all saw it in their feed and was like, what's this nonsense? So it took a little while to re- reconnect with the audience. So there you go. Brand value can be sh- destroyed very quickly. You can you can create your own shortcuts on iOS. So this is a departure, of course. But you can just recreate a shortcut to an app. So my app now is called Fuck Elon, and it's back to blue again. <laughs> yeah, mine hasn't changed Yeah, I suspect it will. I don't have too much of it. I'll, I'm too passive, to be honest. It'll just it'll change to X and I'll get used to X and uh, whatever well, nonsense will I'll, come I'll be up. looking forward to your X's and your re-X's and your quote X's, <laughs> your triple X's. No, please don't put any yeah. triple X out there. So. Well, well, yeah. yeah, That was my plan. Yeah. I, I will uh, adhere to your request. All right. So an X-rated performance from United against Real Madrid. Bad segue. Bad segue. Um, always. And, and, and it wasn't that bad. Was it wasn't. It, really. 
no. wasn't that bad. Funny series of results this summer. United beat Arsenal. Arsenal annihilated Barcelona, and Barcelona completely thrashed Real Madrid, and Real Madrid beat us. So it just goes to show that preseason really doesn't mean anything, does it? Yeah. Um, or they... the Wrexham are the world champions, depending on which way you look at it. Because it's always yeah. that sort of they beat, they beat, they beat. And yeah, Wrexham, the, the Wrexham Red Devils mm, are champions of global mega series that's happening in America. I think it's a competition. There normally is a competition in America. You know, where I the, think it's called like I th- Premier Soccer Champions Cup or something awful like that. But our fixtures aren't part of that, are they? I don't. The I'm... one against Real Madrid was. Was it okay? Well, yeah. There you go. Shows yeah, how yeah. closely I. Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand it. No penalty shootout after that one. No, do, do you know what? It wasn't that bad, and you can't really draw that many conclusions. Before before we talked, I was thinking, how many conclusions, fair conclusions, can we draw from any preseason in in memory? Let's say memory, twenty thirty. Onwards. Now, Moise's preseason, probably the biggest memory of that is Ed Woodward flying home from urgent transfer business, which was concluded six weeks later with Fellaini. But the football was pretty poor. I can remember we lost to a Thailand All Star team or something like that. Um, right. we lost. And then the, we, under Van Gaal, we played some exceptional football in his first preseason. I remember thinking, oh, hang on a minute. He could do something. What is inherited? And that didn't work out. I can't really remember that much about Mourinho's football. Um, all socials, to be honest. But I can remember Mourinho having, I remember two preseasons in America with Mourinho. And he had lots of arguments with lots of stuff that got reported. But I think he had one blazing route with Woodward before yeah. we signed Matic or something like that. And then, obviously, last season, we saw a lot of fluid mo- movement with the front three, you know, thinking of Sancho, Martial and, and Rashford, we could get something. But obviously, that rebirth yeah. and thinking, oh, Ten Hag's brand of football, this is going to be interesting. It was Australia, wasn't it, last year? So, I, what to conclude from that little ramble and what we've seen so far? I don't know. I don't think there's anything much apart from fitness. Again, like, like last season, it was... Pretty much just get the players up to speed. I like the fact that we've been getting players in. All the major targets seem to be getting in a little bit yep. earlier than, than what they were. The performance, you know, was Bellingham offside? Was it an honor a bit quick off the goal? Possibly. Would you expect the hair to save the second one? Be a little bit unkind? No. I'm not I'm not blaming the goalkeeper at all. You know, I'd, I'd be, it'd be a long time into the season before I stop pointing the finger at any player. Um, I saw some of that on Twitter, or X. Done a lot of promotion for this platform now, haven't we? It just, I was like, yeah, maybe. I mean, if he wasn't proactive, though, if he was rooted to his line and Bellingham had just slotted it past him, we'd be saying he didn't make it hard for the, key, for the player at all. I just thought it was a brilliant finish from a, a brilliant yeah. player. And the second and one, was, well, who's expecting that? You know, Newcastle reject. Yeah. Like, Stoke reject, I should say. <laughs> just suddenly turning into Pele and, and overheading it in. I mean, I just... Not Be- Bellingham, I think, was... He was off yard off, right? Or I don't know if I've seen that many... If, if he was on or off, he looked like he might just be off. And because, because of that, you can expect the goalkeeper to... Either way, he's found a gap behind the defence, so goalkeeper's forced to make a decision. Yeah. I guess that early on into his debut, blood, rush of blood to the head, you're going to come out, going to commit. He made a couple of good saves. I actually yeah. thought Wambasaka did reasonably well against Vinicius. Mount he made a great save City. from Vinicius, didn't he, when Vinicius yeah. cut in and just shot early. Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously the most notable thing, it's not really a... You know, a hot taker and things it's a few days later and not really an original thought, but Anana's sort of like starting position well outside the penalty area often and his ability to kind of play the third man yeah. in the in the triangle when building up for the back. I mean he's obviously gonna make a big difference because there's an extra man. It's so, just so much easier to beat the press if someone that comfortable on the ball is in position. I mean you can see like it was immediate, wasn't it? The the ability of Varane, Martinez, and Nanana to to play together in that triangle and, and for United to build out. It's, yeah. I will Positive. say from that, Menu against Arsenal played that role 
like player dropping in, dropping in rather than pushing forward. He, he yeah. played that third man dropping back, and he was exceptional against yeah. Arsenal. So it's difficult then. What you said, do you want that player to be further forward when when you see how comfortable he is? But obviously, it's a bonus if the goalkeeper can come out and play that without it being an hazard. The obvious consequence of no from from the Real Madrid, Real Madrid game was the fact that Menu was injured, and we don't know the extent of that. Yeah, which which is really disappointing considering how well he did play against Arsenal. And how it's, much it's Ten Hag seems to rate him as well. I mean, the, all the noises coming out seems to suggest that he, he wasn't going to get loaned out. Ten Hag really wants him around, that he believes in him. Obviously, he spent a lot of time training with the first team last season as well. A couple of sub-appearances, wasn't it? At least one. Towards the end of the season. Towards yeah. the end of the season. And it just seems like Ten Hag have thought, well... I mean, he's um, struck me from what I've seen of him in the under-23s. And I'm not... I don't watch every game, like... Some people do, so you know there'll be listeners who can contradict me on this one. But it struck me that it strikes me that he's more of a box to box than a pure number six. But if he's going to play that deeper role, can and can take fifteen or twenty games this season, and that ankle injury that he's got is not so bad. Maybe United don't miss when Casemiro gets himself suspended. <laughs> I guess he inevitably will do, but looking at the ref the wrong way, and that would be just a huge bonus if he could do that. I think it's funny that you mentioned that because I always think of that as like a natural progression for any midfielder is that they start off with the liberation playing box to box. And then if they do move back and play a more holding role, it's because they've got greater awareness and responsibility about the game. For example, McTominay, when he was playing without that role, when he was actually against Real Madrid, to be fair, he looked yeah, yeah. fairly yeah. useful when, yeah. when you, and he does look fairly useful when you, Playing further forward, not the most graceful on the ball, but but effective on the ball, and he can strike a ball from from around twenty five yards, and it can can prove to be a nightmare for some teams to play yeah. against. But what? So I wouldn't have been so. Not no, that's the wrong term for it. I would still have been surprised if Mena had come in and, and played box to box with that kind of freedom and liberation, because it's still a big step up from what he's used to. It might take some time to get his feet. But I was more surprised that he was able to sit back and, and dictate a game and move into responsible positions. That showed an awareness well beyond his years, which really I don't think you can you can't sort of glean that from an under twenty three performance because it's all no. all his peers. Do you know what I mean? So so that's the big shame for me, is that I think really nobody knew yeah, because you don't, you don't know about temperament, you don't know about their ability to handle any kind of occasion. And yes, it's only a friendly, but temperament does go a long way, even into a friendly game right, against yeah. the teams as accomplished on the ball as Arsenal. And it was, was great, a really good, Arsenal, strong Arsenal Winfield. And Ten Hag talked about it. He said, "I wanted to try him, see how he handled the pressure, handled it yeah, really so, well." So, yeah, it's a big shame that he's out. Obviously, Casemiro. Is my first choice. The Fernandez played out wide for a little bit. I don't I didn't know like that at all. Um, I really hope that's not the plan. I mean, Mount at ten, Fernandez wide. It seems to me that Mount, Mount's not the most creative player anyway. I just look at his record. It's just he's had one season where he had double figures of assists, and I, I always thought, I mean, to get really nerdy, his expected threat or HG chain, as they used to call it, his build up and involvement was not that high anyway. He's just not that creative a player. I don't think that's what. We need because mm. we've got Fernandez there, and Fernandez out wide restricts him. I hate it. I really hate it, and I hope it's not what we're going to see too often. Obviously, Ten Hag knows much more about football than me, so I may well be talking out my ass. But that's just you know what my eyes tell me that I just don't like that. I don't want it to happen. I really hope that Mount is at eight. Is there? If that's because he's got bags of energy and can play box to box, and I always thought that was a better role for him than than the creative yeah. role. You imagine Mount to be, uh, that's the evidence seems to back this up from what we've seen so far, much more effective in the combination play through the middle in that area that he's going to go natural Rashford and Fernandez operating so he can move around rather than be the one who's bossing the play. If yeah. he's the one moving around and sort of interchanging with that, then United have got a, a serious prospect on their hands in terms yeah. of how they can graduate their play forward. Right, um, especially with considering the players that they're looking to to sign in Amrabat and Ireland as well. Yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan. The, the one thing I would say, maybe I'm just trying to be more optimistic about it, is that if United have got better players in other positions or better options in other positions, then maybe, again, carrying the Fernandez risk is not so bad on the right side. But I just go back to the cup final, and I think when he played out there and he was lost out there, and, and, and Fernandez is, if you lose him from a game, the the risks he takes become much more rash. And I don't mind him, him taking the risks in the middle, even if they are rash. Because, I mean, people now look at numbers and, and they say, oh, and we do on this podcast, we say he completed such and such, he made so many key passes. I remember, I'm sure you do, play, um, going to games with Ryan Giggs playing in the team and everyone around us would be screaming about how crap Giggs was playing. And Because he wasn't a percentages player, he was a risky player. He tried yeah, stuff. Right. And, and Fernandez. All right, he's not as, as he's not great a dribbler as Giggs was, but he tries the risky stuff that Giggs yes. tried, and and sometimes it doesn't come off. But you'd much rather have him doing that sort of stuff in the middle because if he's doing it out wide, I don't even know what the percentages are for how unlikely that risk is to come off. But it, it, they must go seventy five percent higher. Yes, the, the likelihood that that is not going to be able to come off. Well, his numbers wide. just don't look as good there, and it's a small sample set. But yeah, I, 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 absolutely. I mean, you reduce his ability to impact the game in a positive way, and and those risks become. I mean, I would imagine that someone like Jose Mourinho, not to beat on him too much, would do that kind of thing with a creative player to reduce the yeah. impact of risk through the center of the park, right? And it's a kind of defensive move. I don't. I just don't imagine we're going to see it that often. We did see it a couple of times towards the end of the season, didn't we? And cup final, but I think Anthony's going to be first choice there, and he is a good defensive player. And and we're looking for more yeah. from him from the attacking side, more more goals, more output, more assists, and because the numbers were very low. Even if I think, at least my opinion is that his performances were much better than say the the media take on him was. Yeah. So I th- I think we're going to see a a first-choice attacking line of, of Anthony, Rashford, Bruno, Mount a little deeper, and whoever we see through the middle. Like, if it's going to be Hoyland, because that's, that's now done for at least some of the season, I don't expect him to play 60 games. He's 20-year-old and very little experience, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe he has an immediate impact. So I think that's probably going to be the first choice. But there are options there. Sancho... For those games where you want to be a little more controlled, he might not be first choice this season. His two years at United haven't justified him being first choice. Maybe Rashford plays sometimes through the middle, although I think clearly that's not what he wants and not where he's most productive. Maybe we'll see Martial before he injures himself again. Well, who knows? No one's going to count on that. And yeah. certainly certainly Ten Hag is not going to bet his 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 success or his job on, on Martial's fitness. So... I suspect that's all like the first plan A. There's now a lot of options. I, got, I didn't so, even man- mention Garnacho, did I? There's a ton no, of I know. Options I was gonna, yeah. was, was going to say that, and I know that Sancho's sort of penciled in on Alice to, to talk about. What what would you think about this? So, Oiland, you would say, is probably going to be the starting striker with Rashford, that sort of close number two, if, if times are getting hard. Garnacho's going to come on the left, and he's going to try and put Rashford through the middle, ten of. I mean, your third option, would you prefer Sancho to be given that run as a false nine? And you've got to consider the whole here. I'm not just saying Sancho yeah, has yeah. got the responsibility of doing everything. The whole players around him. Or would you think you're still better off giving that chance to Martial? Because I would think now Hoyland pretty much nail in the coffin for, for Martial. And I wouldn't be surprised to see if that one is sort of accelerated. Yeah, yeah. They, they might find a loan from Martial, yeah. Well, I wrote my newsletter this week on, on Sancho as a potential um, false nine. And uh, do you not read my newsletter, Wayne? Yeah, I do. That's why I, I uh, penciled it in go. for the conversation. Ah, Obviously. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to find it in my inbox and show you, but I do, I do read it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I do think it's an interesting option. I mean, Ten Hag tried it a couple of, for a couple of games. You know, if you were going to write it down on paper, like I did, as a as, as a kind of archetypal false nine, I, I think Sancho could definitely do it. I mean, you saw, um, I think it was Cesc Fabregas at Barcelona 
uh, was actually pretty successful doing that. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't going to go to Lionel Messi because, like, it's not fair. Sancho is never going to be that, but yeah, of course he could. Of course he could do it. I don't think it's actually how Ten Hag wants to play. He seems to want to play with that pivot at number nine. I mean, he did with Sebastian Aller at Ajax, didn't he? For perhaps his most successful season, but it's definitely an option. And, and I think, yeah, cons- considering the skill set, and you and I have definitely talked about this on many occasions, the skill set that Sancho possesses, and now difficult it is for him to implement that successfully into this United team from that wide left position because of how pedestrian and that's oh that's a word I'd never thought I'd say with Sancho and I don't mean it in such a pejorative sense. But you know where I'm going, he stops the play when when he's on when he's trying to play in the way that he wants to play. Yes, it yes. really makes he slows it down. dysfunctional. Yeah. But you can envisage a scenario where he plays his natural way in the middle. And I'm thinking it's an isolated incident, but I'm thinking specifically of the goal he scored against Liverpool last season, where he opened up, and he can do that through the middle. So, and not necessarily just as a false nine, just as someone who floats around and and gets into not a ten, but but from a different position into, into sure. that area. So he's an option, and and I do, I do think at this moment in time, I probably want to see that as as a more unpredictable option. Than what we might have with Martial, yeah, yeah. Sadly, I think, um, it's I think that that's gone. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, conclusions to draw from Real Madrid. The other thing is to say that Real Madrid is still a class side. They are rebuilding. Like you, you mentioned it right at the top. You can point the finger wherever you want, but Bellingham's execution shot was magnificent. He is, and I've talked about him on the pod before. I love him. He's so good. His yeah. temperament, again. To come back to that word, his temperament for a player of that age, he he will look like a shining star in that Real Madrid team. And you've got to take your hat off to anyone who can go from the West Midlands, from Birmingham to Dortmund to Madrid before his twenty first. They look like the best player in in a Real Madrid team, which I'm I'm pretty sure he will do um, at least on many occasions this season. If yeah. not the best player overall, I think he that's a comfortable assessment. And, yeah, I'm not. I don't have any problem with his losing games. I don't have any problem with his seeing experiments like Bruno from the right, as long as we're drawing the right conclusions from those experiments. Like we said, we don't want to see it too often. All right, try it. See see if the City game was a one off, or if this kind of thing is a one off. And we, we we with our sort of no professional football experience in, in terms of management are concerned. We don't think it works. I, I would think that Ten August seen it and thinks it probably doesn't work. Like I said, Anthony's more likely to play. Palestri might get run out. Sancho, there's so many options now in those positions, so many good options with the players that we're signing that I think if we had this conversation a year ago and he's trying Fernandez out wide, I'd be thinking, oh, this this is not boarding very well. But it's a very different conversation this time around. Right. So. I think that's fair enough. I mean, an incredible amount of options. We'll see what happens with Palestri and Amad, whether they end up going out on loan or not. Because uh, it's not much value to either of them to be floating around the squad getting 10 games a season or something like that. So mm-hmm. one or both may well go on loan or if they really need the money, maybe a sale there because there's just there's enough I think in those positions and and it's a good moment to start talking about Hoyland because I mean United are paying an incredible fee and it's, it is fair to say I mean it'll be quoted as the of course because this always happens with United it'll be quoted as the fee plus all the bonuses which we don't know what they are it may well be United winning the European Cup which makes the 8 million euro bonus and so we'll be quite happy to pay that if we win the Champions League won't we but it's still a really high fee he's not on particularly big wages because of the club he was at and his age and so the total cost over the five years is actually not horrendous when you split it out you know because we have to think about total squad cost and the new form of FFP so it does look like a very high fee for someone with his record to date but the overall cost is is still high but it's it's cheaper than Anthony, for example, and much okay. much cheaper than Sancho, and and probably half the cost of Kane's overall package, for example. So it's expensive, but not out of this world. And we'll see. I mean, he's an interesting player. I, I don't 
about you, but I haven't seen a lot of Atlanta. I was looking back through the games I watched last season and trying to think about it and like, did I see him live or not? And I'm not sure if I did, but I, I imagine like a, you know, a few hundred other million United fans around the world who've been trawling YouTube for the highlights reels and there's a lot to be excited about there. His, his underlying numbers are pretty mediocre. Nine goals last season, doesn't get off that many shots and his XG per shot is, eh, it's good for an under 20 but or a 20-year-old, but it's not. He's not the next Lionel no Messi, but there's a lot in the kind of his physical prowess, his willingness to play through the channels, his pace, good, really good pace. A lot of exciting stuff there, I think. Yeah, they are. There's obviously the comparisons to Holland, oh my God. which have already started, which I know we've both already complained about on X. Let, let's let's be fair. He's Scandinavian. He's blonde. He's gangly. He's left-footed predominantly. So it's not just the name, but it is still a lazy comparison which you're talking about. Let, let's put this to bed straight away. That we're talking about Holland is generational, and he's the best striker in the world, and he's in the best team and squad in the world. So anyone expecting similar things is a wind-up merchant working for ESPN or Sky Sports. Yeah. Having said that... They all are these days, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Having said that, there are early comparisons. So when you watched Haaland play for the, the clubs that he played for before Dortmund, he played for a couple of Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburg, was it? He played Salzburg for. and then, yeah. So, so and Mulder as well. Uh, and I'm saying the, the comparison, because Haaland was a very natural finisher. Hoyland is, there's something of like the ugly duckling in him when you can see all the raw elements of of what he can bring. Now, admittedly, like you, I, the most I've watched of him are the YouTube compil- compilations. And I've, I might, might have seen him play twice and that wouldn't have been with an eye to actually watching him play would have yeah, been I... because I was flicking through and, and, and that was it. So... In terms of actually putting eyes on him and watching him play a serious game of football, I haven't in terms of wanting to watch Hoyland play. So what we don't actually know are all the variable aspects of what he does when he's not on the ball, when he's not on the part of the YouTube compilation. Does he go missing completely from games? Are defenders able to sort of handle him? Obviously, I would imagine that Tenog, who has been quite insistent, by the way, on this player being the one that he wanted. This has yeah. been very early on that this is a player he wants. So I've got no doubt that United have done the due, due diligence on him. I'm quite optimistic that when Tenorg has done that, they've always, all the players seem to have been perfect for the system. If not, like you said earlier, Anthony, perhaps the numbers for the media don't really justify the eyes of a supporter. Like we put eyes on him over the last year, we can see the value of what he brings. Hoyland, you can see with optimism, he would bring what we're missing in, in terms of like, this, the, the, he's got this element about him that he's potentially lethal because yeah. he has that ability to sort of fashion space and, and get a shot away. And that shot, when he does get it away, does look lethal. It, it, to, to move away from Haaland a bit, it looks a little bit like Podolski, the way that he, he strikes the ball and arches his body with doing that. And the way that he's able to generate the power without any, without much backlift. I like that about him. But I do come back to that reservation of what do we see about him when we don't, when he's not on the ball? Because he really, what we need from a striker, what we haven't had is a player to make an absolute nuisance of themselves so that defenders are terrified. But we haven't had that with Martial. We didn't have it with, Maybe we did with Ronaldo, but only through presence. And I think once defenders realised they didn't have to be terrified of a 37-year-old Ronaldo, he had to find different tricks, and he didn't, and so he was moved on. Whereas Hoyland is he's going to have to terrify defenders from the start, because if defenders figure him out, we, we're, we're not in a position where we can form Hoyland out to Al Nasser. Well, maybe we can't consider it's all the league by players. But 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's going to need yeah. to really bully or be a sleeper hit like Solskjaer, but he's not yeah. out of the limelight enough to be able to do that. He's in the limelight. He's got to do it from the start. And, you know, he's got the raw capabilities to do that. And we've got Rashford to score goals if he doesn't immediately take to doing that. You're right. I would be really, really shocked. And again, like someone just hasn't seen him enough. So we're going to find out hopefully very soon. I'd be really shocked if he's not a good press from the front because that's what Ten Hag wants. And and that's why Mount is. First, first, first reason Mount's in the door, great trigger for the press, right? He knows when to go. He knows where to go. It won't just be Bruno on his own. So we now got Anthony, Bruno and Mount who will all be good pressers. I'm sure Hoyland will be. I'll be shocked if he isn't. It's just what Ten Hag is looking for, for sure, that all-round package. And I think United will get a lot of high turnovers this season. As a result, we were middle-ranked for number of presses and high turnovers last season. I'm not saying we're going to be Liverpool-ranked or City-ranked in that this season, but I think we'll be much, much higher. And and you get a lot more cheap goals that way, turning it over in the opposition's final third. Like the kind of goals that we were giving away, trying to play out for the back and couldn't. Perhaps we can serve that up to some other teams. And 58 goals last season, not enough. Clearly, we need someone to step up and score more goals. It's not obvious from Hoyland's stats to date or what he's produced to date that he's going to do that. Not obvious. It's, that's the risk factor, isn't it? But, but he's, with... it comes down to temperament again, like we said yeah. about Menu. You don't know. And, like, yeah, obviously, the reservation is that he's coming from Atalanta and, like, an honor in a way that they went for such huge, well, they're coming for such huge fees after not really doing so previously. You know, they've, they've excelled at the, the club that they're at to some extent, but it still feels like a, a tad on the, the expensive side. But at the same time, it's almost like, and this is a very terrible way of articulating it, Ed, it's almost like Tenog's not looking at the CV. He's looking at the qualities of the player, the profile of the player, and he's almost completely disregarded the CV because if if he hadn't, we'd be looking at completely different players. Like, for example, bringing in Casemiro as a second choice. You know, like, I don't know who the second choices would be for these players, mm. but, you know, Anthony didn't have the CV and he, and he came for a large fee and we know what he brings to the side. Mount, all right, he does have, he's known to the English press, but, it was a curious one in terms of this is the number one target. Why is he, why are we pushing so hard when we've got a free run at him? But Tenog wants him for whatever reason. Anana, all right, maybe, maybe the obvious choice in terms of lost to goalkeeper. We need the next best available one, but he was obviously the one that brought him because of the profile Tenog mm-hmm. recognizes him with. And the same thing with Hoyland. So maybe. It's not about CV. Maybe he's seen more, well, he definitely has seen more to be aware of what their temperament is because the temperament is the thing really that's been lacking from all of the players that we've bought that that you might say have underwhelmed or underachieved in terms of us not being able to win anything. You would look at those players and say, well, they've got the talent, but the temperament has been lacking. Whereas this time around, you're saying, well, I'm not so sure about their capability. But the manager has brought them in. And you can't say about any of the players in terms of the players he's brought in on a permanent basis that they're lacking in terms of the temperament. Right. They've handled the profile. So they have. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know where I'm going with that other than I'm more optimistic because of the fact that Ten Hag's chose sure. him. I, I mean, that, and you've got to trust Ten Hag. He's got almost all of it right. And, and uh, you know, Ericsson perhaps being the least successful of the players he's brought in so far, or maybe Malassia, I don't know. Malassia's hard, hard, hard one there because his first, first big league and he's behind the sort of rejuvenated Luke Shaw. But, yeah. but Eric Ericsson did great in the first half of the season, struggled physically and then got injured and hasn't quite been the same since, has he? So, but if you know some of Ericsson's workload is taken off by Mount now, or my new when he comes back, then um, then that solves that problem. I, I agree completely. I mean, what what the other thing is, it's Ten Hag's team now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he is that. What is that? Six players he's brought in now, or seven? I'm trying to count them all up. You know, so it's 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 the bulk of the team is now his. He's made yeah, the big seven, decisions. Seven, yeah. Seven, yeah. Big decisions. Ronaldo, obviously, Ronaldo kind of made that decision for him, but. It was going there, wasn't it? Anyway, Maguire out of the team, and then 
dropped in for the captaincy. He's a, he's a leader, as I said on Twitter. You know, leadership is about making the important decision for your team, company, whatever, and then communicating it really clearly. And he does that. And so you can see that his, his team, his dressing room, he he hasn't been overawed. You know, first job at an elite club, if that's fair. I don't want to downplay Ajax, but you know what I mean. And he was immediately in charge. And so we got to put our trust in him because he's shown that he's trustworthy. Uh, yeah. And and I think United will be an improved side this season because of the purchases they've done. Clearly, the next month is going to be, there'll be some sales because they need to balance the books out a little bit, I think. And uh, maybe there'll be another, maybe Amrabat will come in. I'm a bit mm, on that one, but I think he's he'll be a squad player. So that's, that's all right. So... It's it's like it's shaping up in the right direction. Kind of interesting season though, isn't it? Because there's improvement in other places. So we'll see where Chelsea get to with their very bizarre transfer strategy. But obviously Pochettino knows what he's doing in terms of team building. Liverpool, I imagine, will be stronger. They've made some purchases in midfield where they were weakest last season. Obviously, some of the players that were key and got injured will be back. So I imagine Liverpool will be stronger and they came stronger at the end of last season. Newcastle, hard to say. They have swapped one winger for another so far, but they could well do spend some of that sweet, sweet Saudi cash, couldn't they? Or sell a couple of reserves to the Saudi Pro League. Just an inter-team swap for large amounts of money. Nothing nothing to look at there. So, like, just point being, it's going to be ultra-competitive. So United can move forward and then not necessarily move forward in the league position. That is the or possibility this season. But I think overall, the team's going to be stronger, better, more consistent, more ten hard, more like he, the type of team he, he wants. It, it's funny that you mention all that because, I mean, the obvious the obvious step to take is going past Arsenal. So I don't think anyone expects that United are going to win the league, even with the players that they brought in. But Arsenal, obviously, massively strengthened from, from where they were to, to look like a serious outlet. Now, do I think that they're still strong enough to win the league. I don't. Even with Rice, I think he's brilliant. But you are right. United can move forward and still look like the standing still, which is difficult. The, the thing you've got to remember, you, well, everyone has got to remember, is that it's a game season. It's 19 other teams to, to be in the league. And all those teams that you mentioned are more competitive. But United really... They have to get over the affliction of being their own worst enemy, which they still are. And look, even the United and the best have been their own worst enemy because that's part of what we love about the club. But there is an element of trying to get rid of really bits in order to, to move forward. And they can do that. And if they do that, there's nothing saying that they can't finish second. There's nothing saying that they can't finish first when a league game is not even being played. But realistically speaking, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. That I know that's the thing that I hope that most people are reasonable in. So you can look at a league and you can look at a transfer spend of over £150 million and say, expect to see some kind of return from that. I would expect to see some kind of return from that. But you've also seen the season for what it is and how it, how it unfolds. I'd be, sure. I'd be shocked um, if City don't win the league by eight to ten points. They're still, I mean, they've lost Mares. They'll probably bring someone in to replace him, I imagine. And it looks like they're bringing some of the academy kids through. Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis, look like they would play a major part of this season. They've got tons of money to spend if they want to. Absolutely, they were going to dump $100 million on on Rice. So they probably will somewhere else. I'd expect them to be incredibly strong. I don't think Pep will allow complacency to creep in. And all those kind of weird losses they had in the early and middle part of the season when they were still trying to work out the system and he, he switched to a back three in order to to get more players around Haaland and, and release Haaland. He worked it out. Again, he's, that's why he's probably the best. Pep Guardiola. So I'd imagine they're going to be complete, incredibly strong this season, City. It's it's like a lot of people talk about the financial doping of, of state-sponsored wealth. It's it's not just the one season, though. It's the accumulation of it. It's like the the thing when you're a, a drug cheat in sports, it's not, you know, you're really dumb if you get caught in competition. You're really, really dumb because it's all the, it's all the, the training effect that you want. 
right? And then you're clean for the couple of weeks before the, the, the competition. Right? That's what all the cyclists did. I mean, some of them got away with it for years yeah. before they were caught. <laughs> and that's what City have done. That's why it's so bloody powerful. And they've got the best facilities in the world, the best coach in the world, the biggest squad value in the world. Uh, if they're not paying the highest wages in the world, it's because they're hiding it somewhere, as we know they've done previously. It, it's impossible to compete with that. And so we've just got to look at our own team and, and face the season on our own terms. And I'm sure that's what Ten Hag is doing. And he's trying to get United more competitive against what will be a, probably a quite competitive league this season. More, I think, more than last season. In, in the other 19 teams, for sure. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Just City as well, yeah, but there's nothing. People will say winning is success and everything else is failure. That's not the case in in modern football in terms of how you have to analyze a job done. Ultimately, United are and will be defined by what they succeed in terms overcoming the impossible. All the people on Twitter who say, "Hey, we can't compete with City until we get Qatari money," right? They- it doesn't mean it. I think that it's totally the right well, one. It's my feelings on it, right? <laughs> I, what, yeah, the moral quandary that comes with that money. But it wouldn't even have the same effect anymore. It's like when they start doing out-of-competition testing to stretch my drug cheat analogy more, right? You, you could, like, cheat all season out of competition and get the training effect and then not get caught at the Tour de France. And when they bring out-of-competition testing in and more rigorous testing, more people get caught. And that's what squad cost FFP is. It's just really, really hard. You can't just suddenly dump in loads of money. United are spending right at their limit right now. The thing that would make United be able to spend more is not state wealth coming in. It's new sources of income, which is a better stadium, or selling more players, which is having a better academy, or being smarter about the purchases and not overpaying. And which you, you can't say they definitely definitely done this summer but they're they're trying to go towards that they negotiated hard on all these deals right they didn't just go here's 10 quid in a packet of crisps oh here's 90 million as they did with harry Maguire, for example 80 million with harry Maguire. so you know they're trying to negotiate so those are the things you have to be better smarter not just more although if someone came along and dumped a billion into the stadium and it was bigger and and create more revenue that would of course have some kind of impact or faked a bunch of sponsors if that people want because that's what football teams do allegedly allegedly or not allegedly i mean we've seen it all haven't we it's not even (laughs) from from my point of view i'm just saying that as my own disclaimer to your wonderfully as always well-informed missive Thing is, we're not a court of law here, and uh, I mean, I suppose there's a very minor risk that we could get s- sued for slander or something. It's slander, isn't it? It's broadcast for uh, suggesting that uh, City are analogous to drugs cheats. But, uh, this was just for me and you a minute oh, ago. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, I, I won't put it out on the internet anywhere. My my wonderful social media idea is going to be pinched before you even get a chance to register it. That's it's a shame. I've got another tech idea. What if two blokes on the internet record themselves talking bollocks about football and then like put it out somewhere where you can like listen to it, like on an iPod, oh. cast it to a pod or something like that? What if someone decided to do that? It'd be shocking, that would. You mentioned leadership and you mentioned a great value in the transfer market. I know you want to talk about Harry Maguire. So Harry. That's, my, that's my own terrible segue into it. What did you make of the 20 million bid? Yeah, it's a bit undervalued, isn't it? So it's, but if, if you look at the squad cost for your, and sorry to get into the boring squad cost FFP again, but he's about 13 million a season plus wages. And so if you, the FFP cost is 26 and a half million or something like that, plus his wages. So that's United's floor, I would think, for a bit. That means that they can net out some positive benefit. So, yeah, that's, that, that I think is the floor. What is a fair value for an England international who's just turning 30 as a defender? Well, Chelsea paid 34 million for Koulibaly, who's about the same age. 
and you can argue whether he's better or worse than Harry Maguire. They just sold him on for half of that, so might suggest that he's worse than Harry Maguire. So that's that's the kind of equivalent in the transfer market. I, I think that would be a fair value. So somewhere between 26 and 35 is a number I yeah. think United would accept. I, I think 20 million is insulting to Maguire, to be fair. I, I know his stock's gone down, but he's still... He still has really positive traits as a player. And this isn't sure. me talking him up to open any West Ham contingent or listen, there are things that he does really well. And I think his value his value to West Ham is potentially a lot greater than thirty million pounds. So you can talk about them wanting to get a bargain anyway. So his value to West Ham is probably somewhere in the region of fifty million pounds. If you think about what he could bring to that team and how he could improve that defence. I think he could. And yeah. we're talking, still talking about a defence that won a European trophy last season. So I think his value to West Ham is far greater than the, the money that they've put on the table for him. Obviously, like you, you said there, there, there are book value issues to, for, for United to consider. And I, I'd be surprised. I know the Athletic were reporting that West Ham are cool and not come back, but I would have thought he's, he's, he's been pretty clear that he's one of them prime targets. He has been all summer. I couldn't imagine that they're going to think they've gone all out for Maguire at 20 million. I think that they'll probably come back for him. Whether or not he wants to go is a, is another issue. I think, to be fair, without knowing everything, I think, on the face of it, he seems to have handled the captaincy thing quite well. Because yeah. it, you've got to think, it's uncharted territory, really, and, and how professional one has got to be in that kind of circumstance and how they've got to handle it. I think he's he's done fairly well. He, it's one thing losing your captaincy. It's another thing being told you've got to move on from United. He's obviously, and you've probably got to have this. You know, he talked, we've talked about him before and he's talked in the season about thinking that his form was untouchable and things like that. You've got to have that ego if you want to succeed, even if there are other people saying that you shouldn't have that ego think it's probably necessary necessary for him to have it if he wants to be as good as he can be. Yeah. I think if he has some reflection and realises there's a, still a very good career away from him from Old Trafford, yeah, all right, it's going to be a step down, but he can still keep his place in the England team. He could still be a starter in the England team, by the way, if he plays but very well You're at 24 Ham. as well coming up. Yeah, so. so I think all of these things... And, and I don't think at this moment, with the majority of United fans, while we say, all right, time has come and gone for him to be a starter and people will debate whether he should have ever been signed, but he was, and he did play well for a period of time. And if he moves on, I don't think that the majority of United fans have any resentment for him or anything like that. And I think if he, if he decides to move on at this moment, we move for him in his career. So hopefully some kind of compromise will be reached with that. I, I just don't want to see a situation where he stays. I, I don't want to say how stays is welcome because if he stays, he'll contribute and all that sort of stuff. But you can see the issues that would arise with having him in, having him in the top side. And we're talking about the forward line, by the way, earlier on. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the different dynamics that we're going to have with all the different capabilities of each of those players. And even in midfield, we talked about Ericsson, whether or not he starts. You have all of these consequential issues go from player to player that affect everyone else and where they can play. And obviously playing Maguire in the defence is a it brings big because we don't know what this the kind of setup's gonna be with a goalkeeper. So where the distance between an yeah, yeah. an Arnor and a Maguire, because that's a massive They wanna compress the game. It's a big it's the biggest it's the biggest reason why he's out of the team. Not for his defensive and, uh, mistakes, that he just can't do, play high up the pitch. Does anybody want to see and I include myself in this. Do we want to see Aaron Maguire embarrassed in a system that's not set up for him? I don't want to see that. I think yeah. he's handled everything pretty well. I don't think it's, it does him any favours if he's in that United team who are trying to play a certain way and he's the odd one out and United just carry on trying to play that way anyway. It doesn't do anybody any favours. So I think if West Ham put in another offer, which I, I would expect them to do, I just think, these are the right move at the right time and to the yeah. right team as well. That, that's a good move for him without being patronising. It a is, really it's a good, good fit. For him. I, I mean, especially since they lost Rice, I, I do think they'll want some leadership. 
And he seems to be a good, not to dumb it down too much, but I, I, I do think Moyes likes a, likes a cohort of local players in his team. I think through his career has done that. There, there is the Athletic reported there's a dispute between Moyes and the new sporting director at West Ham. And that has caused, like, in terms of, like, the targets, I mean, like, play the record again with Moyes. <laughs> he, uh, he always has his own view on transfers, doesn't he? But it, it seems to me, and unless it, it, it would turn out to be a bad move for Harry if Moyes is just going to hang around for the start of the season, see how it turns out, and disappears in November if it's a really bad start of the season, which you could kind of see that happening. And especially since the owners at West Ham are selling up. I mean, it's it's basically decided they get their full to get nerdy on the finances again, they get the full amount of any sale if they sell after the end of twenty twenty four. And it's to do with the contracts they have with the former Olympic Stadium with the London Development Agency or Legacy Agency or whatever it's called. They pay this tiny fee, but they would have to give up more if the club is sold before twenty twenty five. And then this, this Czech businessman that's already taken like a 25% stake. So that is, that's the pathway they're going to sell out and cash out. And, and I can imagine if they were looking at relegation, because West Ham, remember, they were quite a long way down the league table despite winning the Conference League last season. So if they were looking at relegation, lost their best player, a few dodgy incomings, Mikel Antonio might leave this summer. All of that, you can see a scenario in which West Ham really struggle and Moyes jacks it in or is sacked then that wouldn't turn out to be very good for Harry and he might be looking at it going am I not a better player than finding it out in a relegation team so he'd have to be convinced one on the wages yeah. front because United would probably have to top it up in some way and that's whether that's a lower fee or some paying part of his wages for the next two years which could happen he'd have to be convinced that he's not moving like down too far I imagine and because he still sees himself as a top player, every interview he gives, you he he gives that impression. He still sees himself as a as a player of Champions League standard. Now we can argue whether that's true or not, but he's going to have yeah, like, like that he's not dropping miles down. Yeah, I, I think that he needs to have that um, in order for him to be at his best. I really I can't add anything more to what you said there because I think absolutely right. right. other than other than I think. It's still, even in, if Moyes went, I don't think it, because West Ham are, they are a big club in terms of what his options are on the table. I think that's, it's still a really good option for him, regardless of what may or may not happen, because that's unpredictable all over the world of football. I still think a move to a West Ham or a big club who just won a European trophy that, like I said, possibly walking straight into the captaincy as well. I, I, I wouldn't think. Regardless of the outcome of what happens with Moyes or the results, that it's a badly advised move for, move right. for him. Um, so yeah, United. If if that happens, United might want to think about a fourth choice, or it may, maybe it's Shaw. I mean, maybe it's it's Varane, Martinez, Lindelof, and Shaw are, are options at the back. I mean, I'm sure Ten Hag will want four solid choices, given that United are back in the Champions League and it's going to be pretty competitive and all of that. So. That may be an issue. We may also see, just to round off the sales, may also see Fred or McTominay go. I don't know yeah. if both would go. I, I imagine Ten Hag would be reluctant to lose that many central midfielders unless he really, really believes that Mainu is going to play not 15 games this season, but 30. I'm not sure I see that. So uh, McTominay would come on the bigger fee. Fred's out contract in a year is the more obvious one to try and get something for this season. So we might see some movement on that in the coming weeks. Seem, seems like it, anyway. All right, that's transfers. Quick, quick view on the games to come. We've got Borussia Dortmund today, Sunday. A very late kickoff for those watching on MUTV in the middle of the night. All three people that will be logging into that one. This is just fitness, right? Are United going to play near full strength in this one? I would guess they'll they'll do the forty-five, forty-five, what they have been doing, right, or, or as close yeah. to that as as they can. With a couple of games to come as well, Lons and Atletico, mm. yeah. It's hot out there in the yeah. desert. Oh well, yeah, but there you go. It is hot in the desert, Wayne. <laughs> great, great analysis. 
So if you ever do put this on the internet for people to listen to, they can listen to that quality weather weather analysis. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, it's hot in the desert. So that's my good. social clip for this week. It's oh, hot in the you. desert. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Me out to you get quite cold all, at night, apparently. All <laughs> all of the other quality analysis I've provided throughout this hour, you're going to disregard just for that one moment of dropping quality. Now, yeah, I think a good run out for all. I, I'm not bothered at really. I don't think there's anything to be drawn from this apart from the players coming through. And I know it's such a cliche when we talk about the preseason games. We saw last season, we did see what Tenard was bringing. We don't need necessarily to see that with these players. It'd be nice for Sancho or Mount to get a nice big moment to restart. Yeah. But apart from that, it's difficult to... Because you want the player to, to at the, the tails of going into the season. But, you know, other than yeah. that, yeah. I'm not sure what kind of atmosphere it'll be. It'll be kind of weird. Cause it, I mean, it's a magnificent stadium, as so many are in the in the US, uh, but it's not a football city, really. It's, you know, it's, there, there's some talk about an expansion franchise going to Las Vegas, but it's just a, it's an odd place for it. I, I know a bunch of United fans from around the West Coast, they're heading there. So maybe there'll be a good contingent of sort of, Local-ish well, United fans. So there'll be some people a, from the UK, of course, because it's Vegas, and there was a big, big fight last night as well. So there will there will be some people. I, I mean, I don't know if you've been to Vegas. I've been a whole bunch of times. Fucking weird place, isn't it? I mean, it's just like it's a theme park the size of a city. <laughs> and, I've yeah. not been, unfortunately. I do want to go. I've heard a few people say go once or twice. Oh God, yeah. So, I, I think I've probably like... been five or six times. It's all. It's always been work and then you have the fun around the work but uh, yeah i've been quite a few times I, I knew the first time i went i should never go again and I, I i know the specific moment i don't know whether i've told this anecdote on the pod before i might have done there's a there was an old hotel called the frontier hotel it's a bit of a dive hotel they, they get ripped down the old ones and replaced by these mega things that look like some city some kind or giant globe or whatever they've got now but it's got the frontier. It's a bit of a dive. And anyway, they did uh, Bikini Bronco. I'm not proud of this moment, Wayne. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that younger people who listen to this show should ever emulate this. But I went with a friend. We were like, yeah, let's go check it out. We were obviously quite beard up. And it was like four in the morning and a bunch of dudes and actually quite a number of girls cheering on ladies in bikinis trying to do a bucking bronco with like jelly slime all over them. Just as anyway, at one point I turned to my friend Nick and said, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> it's like it's quite a low moment. Anyway, that's my first time in Vegas. It doesn't get better than that. But you still went back. You're like, Do you know what? Yeah. What am well, I doing here? I must go but back. But I'm going to go back. <laughs> yeah. I used to work with this bloke who had a few too many pharmaceuticals and jumped off a wall and broke both his legs while in Vegas and yeah he told me this anger that I'm not going to name him just in case he listens I don't think he does oh I was going to say the old adage what stays in Vegas makes it onto this podcast exactly his colleagues felt so sorry for him that they bought him a couple of ladies to go visit him in the hospital and as he tells it he was unable due to the many painkillers he had at the time to them up on their offer of services Vegas, man, just just what a place. Have fun out there, everyone who's going. Yeah, let's always suffer no injuries tonight. Yes. <laughs> no one goes to the hospital. Yeah, that's quite a diversion. That's yeah. Diversion. Yeah. Anyone who's going, enjoy it. And hopefully, but I, I don't, we're not going to see Hoyland. I don't think they've done all the dotted the I's and crossed the T's on the contract, but I guess we'll see him. Possibly in one of the two friendlies coming up before the season begins in two weeks' time. Monday night, Wolves. Good stuff. Bye now.